I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab, which is a member-led, inclusive global networking community for fashion, beauty, wellness, retail, and consumer luxury professionals. I'm glad you're back for season two, where we have more career stories. Every week, two members interview each other, so you'll get to hear two different stories. I hope you'll learn from these stories, listen to them, share them, and join us and tell your own story. Hi, I'm Arden Frank, and I am so honored to be here today with Amy Smilovic, the founder of Tibby, and we're just going to jump into it. Amy, you are such a well-established entrepreneur, and you've been running your business for literally as long as I've been alive, and so (laughs) I really would love to learn some tips from the pro. No, no, it's a compliment. I wish that I have been able to invest more time in something. I really would like to become an expert of the craft. It's it's a compliment, I promise. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so where did you grow up and go to school or and, and get into fashion? Um, I grew up on a small island off the coast of Georgia called St. Simon's Island, and I really didn't have a lot of exposure to much. And uh, but I knew that I loved business. I had always, um, I always wanted to make money and um, we were pretty broke growing up. You know, my mom and dad were artists and teachers. So, uh, you know, we had what we had and I was always doing jobs like whether it was waitressing or working in retail or working at a pharmacy and, you know, newspaper, girl, boy, whatever. Um, and so I went to the University of Georgia with not a lot of exposure to what different career paths could be because I did grow up on a small island where it was really just doctors, bankers, lawyers, painters, teachers. And um, it was at the University of Georgia that I was exposed to the world of advertising and marketing. And and that was when I was like, oh my gosh, at the time, advertising was my calling because I thought this combines business which I loved. It combines art, which I grew up doing and was always around and, um, and psychology. My dad's a psychologist as well. So it was the perfect like combo I thought. And so I went into advertising first and right out of college, uh, worked for Ogilvy, which was Ogilvy and Mather at the time. And so Ogilvy advertising, one of my first clients was American Express and three years in American Express hired me And I worked for American Express for three years, and that was in New York. And um, it was in New York that I met my husband, and he worked for Amex as well. He got transferred to Hong Kong. And when we moved to Hong Kong, that's when I thought, well, I've kind of, you know, I've learned the business side. I've learned the marketing side. I'd always loved uh, clothing because the whole reason why I wanted to earn money was that I could buy clothes. and. I thought, well, you know, if I'm a good artist, I had an art minor in school as well. And if I understand marketing and now if I understand business and I'm in Hong Kong, kind of um, this was my chance to do something new. And I felt like it was a moment where I was like, check, check, check. Uh, I kind of had the foundation for what I thought was needed in order to start a clothing line. Amazing. 
And um, I know that when you started Tibby, it's it's very different now than um, it was when you started it. And I'm sure you have your process down to a T. But when you first started, did you have any fear of failure? And, and what were some of your initial failures that really helped you grow? Um, I... I will say I didn't have a ton of fear of failure just because I'm pretty comfortable with failure. Um, and I think that when you, um, having grown up with little money on an island, I kind of know what derives my happiness. So if, if failure meant like, you know, not being as successful financially as I maybe dreamt of being, that wasn't such a failure to me. It was more about really doing what I love to do. And then I'm very competitive. And so finding a way to make it count and, uh, and make it work and be successful. And so my early, um, my early failures were probably more around um, just the unknown, not knowing what I couldn't have known at the time. And a lot of that was around what those first hires should have been for me as a company. And for me, one of the first hires that I should have had on board was a technical designer. And I didn't even know what a technical designer was at the time. There was no like checklist that I could find of all the different roles that you would have in a design company and, and, you know, what they should be and what they would do. And now that I know how valuable a technical designer is in terms of making things fit, um, I know that in delivering good products, it has to fit, obviously. And that was some areas that, you know, almost really destabilized the company up front and could have kept it from moving forward had we not, um, you know, had some other good things happening simultaneously. One of the questions I got asked so much originally was, you know, how is it that you did start a clothing company without the design experience? And mm -hmm. I think for entrepreneurs, one of the things that's always helpful to look at, I always take a very pragmatic approach. And for me, when I was thinking about doing design, it really came down to um, having an idea, being able to market it, being able to execute it, making sure that it could stay alive financially. Um, and so the design element is super important, but it's not everything. And, um, but it's something that has to be checked off. Right. And, and so, you know, later on, I definitely brought on great designers once my, um, limited ability, you know, ran through, but I think a lot of times people assume that you have to be such an expert in a certain area in order to get things off the ground. And they don't really look at the full, uh, spectrum of, of needs to start a business and, and maybe thinking, wow, I actually really can do this. I really am good at marketing. I am good at business. And, and if design is my weakness, then maybe there's a way to augment that with hiring the right people. Totally. And, and now you've, you've fully come full circle and you are kind of the queen of style and fit after you pivoted in 2010 away from florals and, I feel like really made this brand your own. Um, and I think people are really seeing that and buying into it. And in this moment, I think your marketing skills really have come to fruition in, in style class. It's so exciting. Yeah. I think, um, 
I mean, for me, as as horrific as this, you know, the last um, eight months have been with uh, with the pandemic, it's been incredibly liberating at the same time in terms of getting in touch with what you are really about as a company, as a brand. And um, just, you know, before the pandemic hit, I would say that my my day had, you know, 300 uh things on my to-do list and maybe two out of the 300 involved any kind of direct communication with a real customer who was actually wearing the clothing. And so the pandemic kind of cut out all of that, you know, the other 298 items and it left you with the two things to do, which was like to communicate with people. And so, you know, all of a sudden we were, it just really blossomed into something that no business plan could have ever foreseen. And I always tell young entrepreneurs to not get too bogged down in the business plan writing element of things, you know, unless you're trying to like develop a vaccine and you really need to have all your T's crossed and I's dotted. But otherwise you really, you know, have an idea of what it is that you want to do, how you want to do it, but then just prepare be prepared to kind of let yourself go with the flow and see what comes out of it. And, um, and then, you know, stopping and taking time to come up for air so that you can assess and see whether or not you want to dive further into something or pivot away from it, but really just um, letting yourself discover what the right path is and keep leaning into the things that are working is it's just to me it's been our it's been our lifeline this year uh if we hadn't just really just gone into pure organic mode i i don't think the company would be around right now and where do you think that this new perspective and outlook is going to take you into the future you know i don't know i you know to be honest i don't know and i uh every Every six weeks, it, every when the pandemic hit, every two weeks I was writing to the entire team, uh, which is now 39 people and not 82. Um, but I was writing to them and giving them updates and perspective. And then I started doing it every six weeks as things got a little more stable. And now I kind of need to do a write-up for our whole team that is an assessment of kind of where we've been and where we're going. And... Um, and I'm trying to figure that out because each, as I go back and look at the letters to the team, each each letter every six weeks has been just hugely evolved where in a normal world, our company would have been around for a year in order to make the leaps that we keep making every six weeks. Um, so I do anticipate that in six months, I think we'll probably be a really different company than the one that we are today. Um, so I think I can say that for certain. And I think I can say that we've got this team of people that will be the team that's with us because everyone right now that we have is very nimble and um, open to, um, we kind of know that we're all in it to win it together and um, no one's mired down in their their responsibilities or their job description, you know, we're kind of all like figuring this out together. And um, I think, I think it'll land up someplace interesting, but I'm very open-minded as to where, what it's going to be. 
<laughs> I'm extremely excited to be along with you on that journey. And and I know that you guys have been launching, you know, the the cashmere sweatsuits and the nylon joggers. Do you see the company taking a more athleisure route, perhaps? No, no, no. I think um, because I yesterday we actually just launched what we uh, I've been referring to it in my Instagram post as I've been dividing the closet into these things called woofs in and outs and had to haves and the woofs are these kind of without fails that should be in your closet. Um, those fundamental pieces that every person needs. And that really came about from the last eight months of doing these IG lives and everything and hearing from people how frustrated they were that they just wanted to have style and they didn't want to feel confused and they wanted to dress like their best selves and blah, 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 all that stuff. And so we kind of reorganized the collection that we have to reflect how I've been telling people to organize their closet. And so part of it is that fundamental group that should be in every person's closet. And we launched that yesterday on IG Live. So it is those nylon sweatpants. It's the cashmere pieces, but then it's a silk file skirt. It's a tropical wool blazer. It's, you know, it's much more than that. So I think the new kind of thing is leaning into this group of fundamentals that I really feel strongly that people should have in their closet. And that means that I want to try and figure out a way to offer up probably a stronger, broader range of price points so that people can have access to that. Um, And so I think, you know, that's something that I'm really trying to explore there is how can we do that? But then how can I dive even deeper into making like the most incredible runway-esque worthy items that have no super pragmatic utility to them other than just, you know, to make you love creative endeavors in the art, which, you know, is what gives me the goosebumps at the end of the day. Who are some of your favorite artists? Um, you know, I think... My favorite artists are for much bigger reasons than just their artwork, but one of them is Julian Schnabel. And one of the reasons why I love Julian Schnabel is that he's he never uh, became about a specific look. He's about being a great artist himself and evolving so much over time. And his documentary is really phenomenal in how much he rejects that whole um like he would never be the Damien Hurst pills on a wall and repeat type of guy. He, he always insisted with galleries that, you know, if he did a series that they loved and that they sold and they wanted more, he would never do more if he wasn't in the mood to do more. He he was constantly evolving. And I really, um, I really admire that. I think the underdogs sounds, sounds are the like people it. that stick with what they love are the ones that, I mean, even if you look back to like Chagall and, and those guys back in their time, how they rejected what was going on in France and went and started their own thing just to get attention um, and and respect. Like, yeah. I, I love that. It's really important to have that level of authenticity and I think I think self-respect. I think it takes a lot of self-respect to be able to reject the norms, and it's it's working for your brand. Um, if you were to start your business today, what would you mm-hmm. 
differently today than you did when you started it in 97. Obviously, the world is a completely different place, but knowing what you know now. I think that what I would have done differently is I would have found a way earlier on to figure out what I was about and figure out a way to communicate it better to people. And at the time, I think what was, I was so handicapped by a world where you, your only ability to communicate to people was through like Vogue magazine, right? So, you know, you just didn't have, you didn't have many opportunities to be clear about who you are. And I think when I didn't have those opportunities, I ended up listening to a lot of people to find out who I should be. And then you find yourself catering to that with, you know, how you develop a collection. And I think I created a lot of confusion that way. And, um, and I know I didn't have a lot of backbone sometimes to say no to a retailer or say no to a magazine when they wanted to present me and the brand in a certain light. And, you know, but part of me says everything is done for a reason. And that was my journey for a reason, because I think maybe if I had said no, maybe at the time, who was I to say no? And it would have just been like, all right, but, you know, move on, whatever. Like, um, other than hiring a technical designer from day one, there's not a lot I would do differently. I mean, one of the things that has solely kept us in business, I know this for a fact, is the fact that we own our own warehouse. And that came about purely accidentally. And anyone who's starting a business properly, that is not something that they would have done. And there are so many things that no one would have done that we did that ended up being the things that ended up being really right for us. So, um, so, you know, I hate to go back and second guess myself too much because the things that we've done have led us to where we are. And and maybe I could be a billion dollar company right now, but that's not, that was never my goal anyway. So, you know, I don't feel like I missed out on anything. I love that answer. No regrets. (laughs) Yeah, no regrets. I mean, I, um, I mean, I do, um, I think. It's funny, I just had this debate actually with someone recently about that comment, because I think that you um, you can have regrets and that you take them and learn from them, you know, Um, but I think it's more the worst regrets are those that sit there and eat away at you at night and you never did anything to, um, you know, to resolve them. So. I just like to dive in a little bit deeper on that comment because because um, sometimes I hear people that are like, I said all this to her and I have no regrets. And I'm like, well, maybe you should kind of go back and apologize or whatever. But anyway, so. Anything, any advice you have for young entrepreneurs in the fashion industry in this day and age? My advice is to, um, you know, really seek lots of resources for your education on what's happening. You know, you're not, people write to me and they're like, okay, what's the best like fashion book that I can buy right now? And I'm like, well, it's Harvard Business Review. It's Inc. Magazine. It's, you know, it's the the best way to learn about what is happening in fashion specifically and in business in general is just to 
go out and be so curious and watch and learn. I mean, I've even been promoting the Bee Gees documentary that was on HBO right now. And, you know, if you want to learn about business and the way trends come and go and survival and getting back up and, you know, having your own voice, like the Bee Gees documentary, um, the documentary on Dr. Dre, like you, you have to like be so open to learning all the time. And then, you know, when you are starting a business, you are constantly tapping into that because I don't think there's any kind of fashion program that could really like, what is specific fashion, you know, and, and how do you like, there's just so many permutations of everything. There's so many different types of businesses out there that really the best thing you can be doing out there right now is learning how to learn, how to listen and how to articulate who you are and be clear about that. Well, I'm definitely feeling inspired and ready to go do some more of that. And now I have a really good excuse to go binge watch some Netflix. So thank you. (laughs) You do. do, (laughs) And thank you for taking the time to share. I really appreciate it, Amy. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks for listening to the CoLab Career Stories. Follow us on social media at Join the CoLab and join us so you can tell your story.